All right, let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Crossside Chat, our weekly live stream post-session discussion. Where we talk about what just happened during D&D. This is the chat for session 19. If you not watched that session yet, please go do that because there will be spoilery discussions here. Uh, joining me for this week's Crossside Chat, Chris. Oh, plays about all that. Paul Robin. I did. I think I usually introduce myself. I am DM Eric, but oh yeah. And uh, Raymond plays Edmund, our <laughs> artificer. Uh, this session went a lot smoother <laughs> than last week's session. Um, I was. Uh, Which I'll say this. Yeah, from, yeah. From our perspective, from the player's perspective, we don't notice when you're off when when, when you don't know what's about to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So like. Last session, even though I know you talked, we talked about in the in the post session, in the the chat, that you were like, "Oh God, they're going off the rails yeah. completely." We don't necessarily notice that, you know what I mean? So we don't That's know. Good. We don't. <laughs> we don't know that it's not as smooth yeah. as from one sweat session to another. I don't visibly unless, panic unless, and <laughs> unless you do things like say, like I haven't prepared any of this, yeah. <laughs> then we then we know, but. <laughs> I remember there was a funny yeah, moment so, back when we did uh, Lost Mind Offend over a lifetime ago where literally you guys had like somehow it, it was kind of an open floor plan with the dungeon, that final dungeon, and you guys beelined it like three rooms and you were at the final boss room. And I forgot how I did it, but I was like, this room is just under construction. Like you cannot open this door yet. Like it's, it's locked. There's no way to get inside. You just can't. Because <laughs> I am not prepared for you to be at the fucking boss room yet. I remember that. I remember that as a lesson, I think, to like... Yeah. You and me as yeah. like, like, all right, in terms of preparation, you have to prepare more than what you think they're going to do. At yeah. least like surface level prepare. Like you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of everything, but just in case. Yeah. But yeah, so my plan. So when I originally designed the layout of this dungeon, um, that I was going to have it be where when you guys make it to that courtyard area from the inside of the dungeon, you would have found a bunch of um shady people that were trying to break in and that would have been you know probably part of that uh okay group that you met in this session yeah um and it probably would have been like a social maybe a combat encounter i mean i guess any social encounter can turn into a combat encounter um but just you know a moment where you would see people like trying to break in from that outside and be like wait a minute there's a whole other entrance here and all that so i eliminated and rewrote all that based on what happened last session which was for to give you guys a chance to like, oh, wait a minute, why don't we just bring them over there to that side and that will give them an entrance. And it's so funny, I think it was uh, Raymond that even said this. It's like, is there, or somebody that was like, is there another entrance to this place? And I was like, that's exactly what I'm about to show you guys. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> there is. So it's funny that I had it built in like this. I was never planning on introducing it as another entrance, but because of the way you guys essentially split the party last session... I ended up introducing it as, okay, let me use this other character I introduced as a way to get you in there and just kind of introduce this other element to this quest um, where, you know, essentially this guy wants you to steal some shit for him. And it was a way, it was a easy way for you guys to get inside. Yeah, right. That was it's pretty much its purpose. to the, the, yeah, the, the extra ex entrance, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, which is funny at the time. You guys have no idea how close you are, what proximity or anything like that. And my plan was to go back and forth between 
uh, Thimbleweed's encounter with the NPC, which I also wrote in the kind of mini combat encounter that occurred because I was also like, okay, I also want him to do something that's not just him talking to this lady. I want right. to introduce something that's going to happen. And I thought, okay, maybe he left the door. You know, obviously he had to move the crates inside so the bees come in and there's going to be this attack. I expected that to actually last a little longer. Yeah. But then the opposite happened from last week, whereas last week he rolled really good initiative and he kind of solved the problem immediately. This time he rolled really badly initiative, so he wasn't able to solve solved anything. Himself. Yeah, <laughs> and the bees were able to come in and just kill, the, which I used the scout stat block for this guard. So she only had 16 hit points and like an AC of 13. Right. And yeah, those bees were doing work. Just, oh, yeah. I think two of them took her down. Um. So... uh. And and I and I let him roll uh what is a animal handling check because he still had uh I guess speak with animals on I need to look at see how long that lasts well you guys are short resting I don't think it lasts beyond that right. um and then uh, he was able to convince them to leave I don't know what I would have ruled if he hadn't rolled really well like maybe one of them sticks behind and the rest leave and now he has to like fight that one or deal with that one in some right. way yeah but I appreciated that, that was a nice little element that he had to deal with and then uh obviously rushing to save her i liked that right yeah he had to like play it off and yeah yeah and, yeah so i've really enjoyed how he's interacted with all that and then i kind of tried to go back and i literally had it in my notes okay at this point switch to this scene at this point switch to this scene so i could try to keep it organized with the whole split party thing um and i think that worked pretty well yeah i think it worked really well and then uh had you guys meet up which that was, I mean, you guys made it so much. It's just, it makes my job so easy. You guys are so fucking funny. And just with the listening at the door with each other and just all that shit was just killing me. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, James, thank you for your patronage. I appreciate that. Hopefully you're watching right now. <laughs> On the B thing, I will say that that's one of those, this is one of those interesting D&D &D things where <clears throat> things just worked out in a particular order to where Thimbleweed was able to maintain his cover with the bees without actually turning on the woman. Yes. If, he had, if, he, if his initiative had been anywhere within where the woman was still up, but the bees were still attacking, yes. he would have had to made the, make the decision, do I protect the woman or do I... And that's know, exactly what I wanted to, to throw at cover. him. I was like, I know you're a good character trying to play a good yeah. character so you want to protect her but then you're also trying to be literally undercover with the bee so i was really interested yeah. to see how was he gonna because in my point of view i've enjoyed writing a lot of these scenes and sessions because to me there's no necessarily right or wrong answer which i think mm. is kind of the right i think the trap you fall into as a dm which i've certainly done is you need an outcome to happen a certain way and it's way more liberating and which sometimes you do like there's just some things you really need to have happen a certain way um but this is a lot of this has been very liberating and fun because a lot of these decisions you guys are making, I'm cool with any way you go about it. Like it's yeah. honestly, there is no real right or wrong answer here. Like there is, you know, it's however you guys want to handle this entire area and session, all these different factions and elements and stuff. So I thought, you know, it's if he wants to just let her die and kill her, like nobody's gonna be the wiser. Like it, it, that's fine right. too, or he can right. fight, you know, whatever, however he wants to handle it. Yep. But it just, just the way. But because of the way the initiative fell, it's yeah, kind of, it's kind of the glory of 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 D and D in general. Yeah. I think is it just because of the way the dice rolled, he was able to you know play both sides effectively without you know betraying the woman or breaking his cover with the bees. Yeah. 
Yeah, that worked pretty well. I'm I'm slightly irked, although it's funny also that he's just leaving her in there and hasn't mentioned anything that to you or anybody. So I feel like one of those epilogue things. Like at some point, straight up, he straight up healed her. So it's like at some point she'll just wake up. She will wake up. Yeah, he did say he boarded the door back up, so she's technically safe there. But yeah, yeah, it depends on how you guys deal with this whole area, I guess. Right. Uh, so like that, like that, like that, from his perspective, that was like his solution. It was like, all right, mm-hmm. she'll she'll just she's fine. She'll, she'll wake wake up with the headache. Yeah, I don't want to have her like be burdened with the party, but I want to like just still heal her and keep her there. Yeah, which is why I, partly why I ruled it that way. I was like, normally, first of all, normally NPCs don't roll death saves or anything like that. Once they're dead, they're dead. Right. But I thought it's always been weird. It's always been weird, yeah, and I think there's no opportunity. Yeah, and I think in a lot of cases, you can if it's an important NPC or if it just makes sense in the story. You know, if a player jumps all over it, I think it's totally fine. If they if they expend a resource, whether that's a healing spell or a finite item or something, to bring an NPC back from the brink, if they act just then, I'm totally cool with it. So I, I allowed yeah. that to happen right there. Because it is kind of a weird, uh, unspoken rule, I guess, and kind of a gray area. But normally, NPCs just straight up fucking die. Right. Um... Yeah, so then you guys uh, made it to the courtyard. You guys made it to the uh, employees-only room. I was really just going nuts with the whole corporate building thing, so I don't think we've ever done anything like this in D&D. We were having a lot of fun with it. You guys were having a lot of fun with it. It was really fun. Um, and then I had seeded all the, these investigative notes, which you guys picked up on and had fun with, too, which was searching the lockers and getting finding out more of the story. <laughs> you know, at, at the end, I remember you just saying, like, oh, you know, the the... the uh, Celeste got an MVPC because of you know surviving whatever, but I think it was because of her reaction to the lockers that was why that's she got true. MVPC. That was funny. She really dug into that. Like I want to like dig into the gossip of this whole. Yeah, factory. that was that was that's true. That's funny. We'd kind of forgotten about that because the fight is was the last thing. But yeah, that was that was a fun moment to explore that. <laughs> like I want to find yep. all these the stories. Yep. So yeah, we started going through all their stuff. I didn't know how to say this or bring it up or even if it matters, but I like how you said it, it was like alchemist notes. And then Celeste is like, I'll take it. Yeah. I'm like, should the alchemist take the notes? <laughs> so I'll take those. You got your revenge by taking the mop first, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm teasing. Yeah, I'm definitely teasing the fact that there's an alchemist on the loose. Right. It's kind of behind all. How have you guys felt about the story? Because I, I have, to be honest with you, this is all me. Like this is a hundred percent me. Once we're done with this full mission, I will be have. We'll have a very long frostside chat where I will break down exactly what the original mission of this was. Yeah. But so far, everything you've done is a hundred percent me generated. Some of the well, names. Some lot, of the. It it's like. a lot. Some of the names are the same. Okay. And, and yeah. that's about it. <laughs> You're responsible for Harold or Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 that's impressive because it, it is a lot so far. Like, it's, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. I don't necessarily even know who the bad guy is yet. Like, because there's the gauge, the, I, I don't know if it was a male or female, uh, who was accusing. So gauge was the woman. The, accusing the janitors of stealing. Yep. I guess we, we we did find the alchemist notebook in one of the janitor's lockers. Yep. So, and they were in the tunnel. So she might be, you know, right that or or that they were into something. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I do think, and then and, but this whole like janitor gauge, you know, Hammond's 
Terrell's <laughs> Dugan thing. That's become a whole thing. That's fantastic. <laughs> the, the interesting part about that is that, that I had no idea that was even a thing last session with the bees. I thought yeah. that the bees were just it. Like it was just yeah. like, oh, for whatever reason, bees are, you know, crazy. Right. So to find some more depth to it, you know, in the next session is really interesting, I think. Yeah, I think that kind of threw you guys, too, when I ended the session and you guys were like, oh, I thought we were going to be, like, dealing with the bees. And I'm like, no, dude, the bees is, like, just the beginning of this whole thing. Like, there's a right. lot more going yeah. on. So I was going to stop it there. And and uh, the timing worked out because we had exactly got as far as I wanted to, which is basically completing the meat hall portion. So uh, I guess like, I can't ask what was in the other door, but everybody else, or, or not everybody, but, like, we were going to go through that, that east door. And then I just randomly said, like, I want to see what's the big door. And that's what led us to the 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 fight. Uh, sorry, which which door are we talking about? Um uh, back you know, back in the like Yep, same area. It's the same area. Oh wait, it is? That goes into the brewery too? Yeah, so I, I tried to paint the picture without telling you literally, but it was barricaded from the inside and from her story, which was related to Thimbleweed she fled that area into the warehouse. So... Oh, I see now. I'm, she went, that. I'm, I'm she looking went, at it. And yeah. I see how that could happen. So she uh, went just, through that... She ran through that door, barricaded it, and then has stayed in here. So if you had just moved those crates and you would have entered, um, if you're still on the map, down here in the lower left corner, basically, instead of the I, press. I see so that now. Yeah, I It was it. basically... Didn't really matter in the context of... So it, it, was, it was a false choice. It was like, which door do you yeah, want to go exactly. through? Like, well, they both go to the same place. Yeah. It was okay. a false choice for you guys because you guys were both kind of in both rooms exploring. Had you guys been going to this dungeon room to room, then it kind of matters, like, it, you know, what do you experience right. first? Yep. I That's did, interesting, then, because, I, like, I, yeah. I think we thought it was... We were, like, looking at it like, oh, you know, a choice, you know? Like, right. oh, you know, we, we're, we're not going down that path. So there is still in this room, um, which I'll have to remind you guys next time, there's a door to the south um, that looks like a main entrance door. And then the stairs, uh, Celeste is by a staircase that goes up into a hallway. But technically, oh. there's some left of this yeah. area. So I don't, I didn't mean to immediately, like, you guys go down the tunnel or anything. In fact, I think you guys still have to short rest anyway, but right, um, there is still a little bit left to this area. And you still got to figure out how to deal with the bees or not. Again, this... It, what's interesting is it's liberating for me because it literally is like I, I picture what like the the Fallout side quest where like the epilogue of the campaign like you know mentions like and in this town because you made this choices this is what's gonna happen right and that's yeah. kind of what you guys yeah. are looking at so it just it really is up to you guys how you want to do it right oh that's the chat's actually reminded me thank you Nick the, 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 mo I, I in hindsight I do think most of the reason Celeste got MVPC is because of the 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 study sequence because she also made the child labor jokes <laughs> yeah really coming up with Hammond and then there's a children <laughs> book it's like there's a child yeah. somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things that I just randomly wrote I was like oh what if it's funny because I that wasn't the important part to lock onto obviously it was the other part of that clue. Which but, is the funny part about it. But the funny part <laughs> is it just randomly like, oh, maybe they only found a children's book and they got it. And then she just fucking glommed on that one clue. It was like, a children's book. And I was like, Shut what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, what did you guys think about this actual brewery room and the way this combat encounter I was? I have questions. I have questions about the encounter. Yeah. I have questions about your logistic. Like, Okay. A, were the were they traps or were they all going to explode regardless of where we stood? That's my first question. Both. 
Okay. So were, were you like timing them out to where like, I'm going to have the ones explode that they're sending closer to, yeah. but eventually they're all going to come out. That was the logic. That was the logic. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had, um, the idea was one of them was already exploded to tease the fact that it happened. Yeah. And then there were, and it even further teased, if you recall again from that woman's story, which was very important. She even talked about how she attacked the oozes and they split. So I was like, oh, I got to make the first oh, one not a big one, but two medium ones because they were already split. Oh, right. She split when she left. Yeah. Uh, so this is all very important information. I see it in there. <laughs> yep. Um, and we picked up like a third of it. Yeah, <laughs> as, as players do. It, it, was, it was a big yeah. info dump, to be fair. Um, and they were going to be lying in wait. And you guys, of course, just trap sized right in. And so I was like, all right, well, it's going to be a surprise round. Yeah. Um, and then my plan was basically to gauge, okay, it's just up to me at this point. I didn't have any hard and fast rule about, I had, okay. uh, I had three others set up. Um, and it was like, depending on how the combat goes, where the positioning is, what the best moments are going to be, that's when they're going to trigger. But yeah. I did limit myself and you can go back to the tape and watch. Cause obviously most of what I do is has to be you know rules savvy because right. i'm Insane. streaming yeah. yeah and i so i rolled initiative for everybody on the map all the uh with obviously their ochre jellies is what the stat block is i rolled initiative for everybody so i said well i'm gonna trigger when they're going to trigger uh whenever i want them to in terms of the round which round it happens but it's gonna happen on their initiative so when they would normally act, that's how they're going to trigger. They're going to literally burst out, which is going to trigger the trap, and then yeah. they will get their attack. Okay. So I believe in the first, and so it really depended on the initiative order. And I believe, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> please, please, we're, we're, we're too, we're too sick. It's too big. <laughs> All I was going to say is uh, kudos on your timing then, because it, it really did for a while. Actually, do the whole thing. It felt like we were triggering these things. Mm -hmm. It felt like we were doing things that were making these these barrels explode. <laughs> it's, that's kind of the roll of the dice with D&D, honestly. That's kind of the way the initiative fell. Because um, I got the surprise round, so it was just the first two jellies. And then we did initiative, and I think like one or two people went. And then I had... I, I, I already deleted it out. Or I kind of re-looked at them. But I think I had another one explode and became a combatant. And then a couple more people went, and then another one exploded and became a combatant. Yeah. And then I believe I let the whole round go, and another round started. And only when uh, Edmund, which, again, yeah. the and timing just the... worked out. Yeah. Um, Where he vine-whipped over to his cool thing to get the mop, and then it was sometime after that that the fourth one exploded. Yep. Um, and again, that was just purely location. We were like, all right, there's nobody over the fourth one, so I'll just we'll do that one last, or you know, whatever ends up being. And, and he went over there. I was like, ah, oh, this is awesome. And that gave you a that cool moment nice. when you fucking crit with the damn mop and <laughs> yep. destroyed it in one fell swoop. Interestingly, these guys had really uh, I roll hit points for all my creatures, and there was a big discrepancy. Some of them had 50 hit points, and the one you one hit KO'd Bray was uh, 28. So it was actually wow. one of the lower ones. That's why you're able to destroy it. Uh, but the funny thing is, a big thing about Ochre, which I don't think we fought since Prince of the Apocalypse, um, yeah. they only have the one attack, they can do pretty good damage with it, but they split if they take lightning or slashing damage, and become multiple creatures, and they divide right. the hit points, the only rule is, uh, they have to have at least 10 hit points, and then they divide and then split the hit points, which becomes way better for the DM, because 
literally their attack is the exact fucking same. So you just get multiple attacks that way. But the funny thing is, only one fucking person on your entire party does slashing damage, and nobody does lightning. Yep. So I was relying relying totally on Frey to be able to do that. And I thought <laughs> at least this actually irritated me. When Thimbleweed pulled his sword out, I was like, oh, we're going to get some more slashing damage. And I saw <laughs> that piercing. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. A short sword does piercing damage? Nope, it is. Oh, that is I was very disappointed at that because I thought at least I had him at that. I was like, I know, because looking at the notes, I was like, I know Frey's the only one doing slashing damage. Yep. So they and ended up not, not only is she doing slash damage, but the very first time she attacked, it was it was kills. Yes, they were, they were so low HP that she didn't get to split them. Exactly right. Yes, she she ended up doing the coup de gras for basically those two oozes. You guys attacked. You split the damage up beautifully. At one point, one of them had like four hit points, and one had two hit points, and so she was able to yeah. just kill them both that first round. So yeah, the, I don't think anybody split the first round, and then round two, um, I think she split twice on both her attacks. But think of how crazy that would have been had she started splitting all these oozes up, like, because yep. they yep. all just get that same attack. But so, I also, now that we're into it, I will say that I much, much prefer, which Raymond, I would like to hear your opinion too, uh, as he walks away. Ray, come back. I much prefer the individual initiatives now. Yeah. It's much more interesting. It is. Than yeah, you're right. All of the monsters going one on one initiative. Yeah. It breaks it up because I know it's, you know, you can get just, you stop paying attention at one point. You're like, okay, this, this is good. these bunch of guys are going to attack this person. I'm just going to look away. Yeah. But it, it helps when it's not just me taking a really long turn. I think it yeah. keeps it more dynamic when they're going through everybody else. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a little bit more like things are bouncing around a bit more mm-hmm. than just all right. You know, now I now I know four of my teammates are going to go. You know, yeah. So I can just tune out so that while they do their thing. And in fact, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did if I had done individual initiatives because that's how I that's how I triggered all of my different oozes going at different times was because they had yeah. different initiative scores uh, rolls. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And everything, so now, damn it, now, from now like... That we're, now that we're deep into it, I definitely prefer this method. Yeah, it, it, it's honestly painless with this uh, API that I use. Like, it just keeps track. As long as I remember to, to number everything, just so you guys can make it easier to target, and we can reference some of them easier. Like, number four ooze and all that. Yeah. But, yeah, it makes it pretty easy, and I, I enjoy it, too. But, yeah, I was going to say... so the, say I... The oozes aren't as strong as they basically could have been because you guys weren't splitting them. Like, right. this could have been a much more difficult fight. I think they're all CR2s, which uh, there was uh, technically five, I guess, because there were the three big ones and the two small ones. Yeah. Which is no slouching matter, but because you guys actually weren't doing a lot of slashing damage, uh, they weren't all that bad. Yeah. I will say now, in hindsight, I'm very glad I didn't. Because one of my, when my first turn, or no, second turn, after I ran away, I was going to use that lantern to do the fairy fire thing on one of them. And then to find out later that they have an 8 AC, I was like, oh, thank God I didn't do that. That would have been a waste of that lantern. Oh. Oh, because you, like, make advantage, I think, to attack them or yeah, something? Yeah, you yeah, you advantage. But nobody had any problem hitting them. So yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything with Frey recklessly attacking, but I was like, man, that's such a bad move to do because. Yeah, you don't need to do that. You're going to hit them every time. And yeah. 
It's it's uh, I, I like that she, she does it. It's like a learning. A learning uh, it, well, it's kind of like a role playing thing too. It's just Frey just does that, which I appreciate that. Yeah. But that gets really dangerous if you have like multiple enemies surrounding you. Getting that advantage is real nasty. Yeah. Yep. But once again, that barbarian rage, man, she can tank like nobody's business. Yeah, for sure. That's not a good point, Nick. When when all the enemies go on one turn, it's far easier to get like surrounded mm-hmm. when there's lots of mobs versus. The sort of spread out initiative makes it a little bit more, I guess, dynamic. Yeah. I don't know if it's a word, but they they seem to be more. It's less like like all at once they all just come at you. Yeah, and it's more like all right. Well, now this one's gonna come at you, but now this person's gonna move over here, so now this one's gonna go up here. It, it just feels a little bit more. I like fluid. it. I, I, at this point, I don't think I'd ever want to go back to just single initiatives. I think it's yeah makes it really fun, even if all the enemies are the same. Just let them have a different because they mean, can. It, I rem- I do remember in in my head thinking that that was a weird rule when we were first going through five E. I was like, wait, yeah. all the monsters go on the same turn. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, all like, the same stat block shrug- goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the same. T- I was like, just sort of shrugging my shoulders, going, like, all right, all the goblins are gonna go on the same initiative. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's weird, but it, make, it makes things easy, that, especially if you're playing on tabletop. Like that could be easier. You're keeping track of all easy. that and not trying to. Re- okay, Goblin Three goes now. Goblin them. Two. But when we're when we've got the visual aids like this, and it, it, the yeah. app keeps track of everything, we've got a lot of conveniences that help us. Sure. And that makes it a possibility. Yeah. Um, I love that it was Raymond that was enamored with this mop and not Celeste. I was very disappointed in Rochelle that she did not immediately no. run over to that thing. I I think she was in the which I, honestly I forgot it was a thing too until Raymond did it. I forgot it was a thing that you could just grab a magic item and just use it like without attuning to it. Like I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I guess you can. I was this? proud of you. I mean, it, it didn't even occur to me though. It was definitely well, you can't attune to it, but you could just use it. So it depending on what it did, you, you wouldn't know what it does. Yeah. But I would let you wield it if it was a weapon, and then you just literally you just so don't know rarely, what it does. You're it's just so rarely. Uh, is yeah. That we, we think of like in the moment, like oh yeah. You picture like treasure after the battle, and that's gonna after be the battle, yeah, exactly. which totally would have been a thing here, yeah. Um, so that was a very interesting play on your part. <laughs> I just had to look for things in the environment to use. You that's do. true. That's all and that's and notice how it, this is one of those funny things. Where it's like this is a thing that you would have gotten after the fight. They'd be like, oh, it would have been great to have this during the fight. And you fucking got it in the middle of the fight and used it like a boss. <laughs> and one-shotted one of the And one-shotted one of the big guys with a crit. And, yeah, thank you to chat for reminding us about the crit that doubling good, dice. Because yeah. I totally forgot about that, too. Yep. But that was a funny little addendum I put on there. It's like, I don't even know how often you'll face oozes in the rest of this campaign, but it makes sense for a, a, a mop, a magic mop would do extra damage yeah. to oozes, and it'd be really funny if, like, oh, this is, of course, the thing that would be very helpful in this fight. There's no way yep. they're going to get in the middle of this fight, but, but they might. <laughs> I wasn't paying too much attention when you first introduced it, so I don't know what Rochelle's reaction was. Did she... I think everybody was making it over there, yeah. They could see everybody going, and she was like, oh, yeah, that looks good, and... You guys yeah, were shuffling yeah, yeah. over there, and then Frey was like, all right, I'm going to investigate the the mead first, I think was the first thing. And I was just had it in my notes, like, at some point when they get to the middle of the room and start investigating shit, then I want to trigger the fight. Um, I just expected her to run over there. She's got, you know, that crazy mobility and stuff and start trying to grab it, but 
I think I think initially when we first went in the room, it was the, even the like, oh, that's cool. I should, I, you know, we should get that. Yeah. But as soon as the fight started, it became just you were talking about just a fight. It's yeah, like, it's like it's like well, fight and then treasure afterwards. Right. It's like it became like a treasure chest, like to get after the fight. And so, to be yeah. fair, yeah, uh, Edmund and Valrava, and you guys are not the primary like DPS attackers either. So that kind of frees up your action economy a bit to do those True. other things, <laughs> like manipulate the environment and push the buttons and the levers and all that crap. Yeah. Uh, whereas she was doing obviously some real damage, and it was not slashing damage, so she was not splitting the oozes. Yeah, that was pretty funny that you did extra. You got <laughs> the first attack was a fucking crit on that thing. That yeah, was, that was like looking impressive. like how to put it in. Yeah, and click on it. Like, oh. <laughs> I love it. Character just picks up this mop, has no idea what he's doing, and just bashes it to all the hell. Which. Big turning point because that was a whole big ogre jelly just spawned. <laughs> yep. Yeah, perfect timing on that part too. Yeah. But uh, no, with uh, Varova and myself just having different roles, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess it makes the battle a little more interesting because you can imagine it, it might drag it on too because like now only half the party can attack. Yeah. But I I don't right. know. You might argue that that it changes things up. It's not like everyone's just like clicking to attack. Right. I mean. Yeah. The weird thing about D&D 5e is that I feel like it would be incredibly viable to have five champion fighters. Yeah, you could. Just just walking through and just hacking every problem to death. That's totally viable. You would have some bad disadvantages against like certain like saves and creatures. But I feel and like styles, just the sheer but... strength of it would just push <laughs> through a lot of those. Sure. I, I mean, I, I'm sure some fights would go a little bit, you know, rougher. You have no healing. <laughs> you have no, yeah, yeah. your range damage isn't great. Yeah. But I just think it's, you know, max efficiency is not necessarily the most interesting thing, right? Yeah. Like, you could just be pure efficiency, whatever, you know, the most efficient class is, times five. Yeah. And even though D&D is... At its baseline, a combat simulator, it's not the end-all, be-all thing. As Manix, I think, proved in Tomb of Annihilation, like, you can have tool sets and kits that are technically useful in other ways as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spells are, are obviously a big part of that. If you can cast utility spells, you know, at low levels, it's harder to see that. But once you get to higher levels and you've got more spell slots and you've got a bunch of different things you can do to manipulate the environment or, uh, you know, get into situations either to prepare for a better situation in combat or not even involved in combat at all. Yeah. The chat brings up an interesting point. Nick Nick has pointed out that, that another, which, you know, precedent has been set in terms of you editing class, subclasses as, <laughs> to, to uh, make uh, characters better, but letting Radiant Sunbolt were just replace an attack at will instead of it being like, because... Yeah, she was. That, conf- I got so confused. That did, that did halt her for a good while. Yeah, I, in the end, I wasn't even sure. I was just trying. I was willing to rule like whatever because I I was confused on what even she was trying to do. So the radiant sunbolt has a in, the, in its wording. It says you can spend a bonus action to cast radiant sunbolt twice, but the way it's worded is that you can only do that if you used your action to cast radiant sunbolt. Okay. So I think what, what Rochelle was instinctively trying to do... I thought she's done it before where she just did a regular basic attack and then Radiant Sunbolted. Hasn't she I done that? she did, but then I, I, but then I think now that she's reading it closer, she's realizing she probably didn't do it right. 
So I think that would be the homebrew, would be that, like, you can go ahead and use the bonus action thing to do the two Radiant Sunbolts, regardless of what your attack action was. Because as Whatever's worded, easier at this point. <laughs> yeah, as worded, it does say, like... I, th I thought you... that was the initial idea, and I thought that's what we were doing, is that she just does an attack, and then her normal monk thing is that she spends a key point to do two... It's flurry of blows, right? She does two unarmed strikes, and the sun yeah. soul one lets you spend a key point to do the two radiant, whatever they're called, yes, sun bolts, which, which is just the range version of unarmed strike, kind of with radiant damage, right? Yeah. So I, I, I would have let her do that if that's what she was trying to do, but then it got really confusing, and that that is what she was trying to do, but then the wording of the of radiant sun bolt tripped her up because the the wording does say <laughs> when you use radiant sun bolt as an attack action, then you can do the bonus action thing. Okay. Yeah, I have no problem just making it whatever attack you want to do and then having your bonus action be the Radiant Sunbolt. Right. Doesn't seem like it's game-breaking to me. No, it doesn't at all. And Relentless Endurance saved her. It she sure took a did. shit ton of damage uh, throughout this it, fight between all the exploding barrels and the oozes. It is funny that she like, like specifically mentioned that. It was like, yeah. uh, I might take if a lot of If I go down, gonna... Relentless Endurance will save me. Like, yep, it sure did. Yep. So I was pretty satisfied with the balance um, yeah. in terms of, yeah, you know, I, I felt I, you guys took some damage and, you know, lengthwise everything worked out pretty well. And it was just funny that they didn't actually split that much, but I kind of expected that to be the case because, uh, you know, like I said, I knew going into it, Freddy was the only one doing slashing damage. Right. Yep. And I mean, Freddy took a good amount of damage too. Yeah. Like, even, her, even in her barbarian rage, she, she was eating it at the end. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think I think the fight, as far as you know, uh, how dangerous it was, went pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else about session nineteen? Honestly, this is probably one of my favorite sessions, just because I laughed so hard at all the shit you guys were doing. And if you let I, me toot my I, own horn, this session had all three pillars of D and D. It had combat. Exploration mm. and social role playing. It sure did. Yeah. Very, in very distinctive ways too. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had our investigation section. Yep. We had our social, like uh, thimbleweed talking to the lady section. And you guys we talking to the dwarf guy outside. Yeah, yeah, that was all social. That yep. was all social. Yeah. And then obviously the combat encounter with the oozes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I also think. Which I do, I do kind of want to ask you, but I do think this is this is, in my opinion, one of our funnier sessions. Oh yeah. But I, I tried to figure out. That's not something exactly, I can prep for. <laughs> what what exactly? Yeah, exactly. You can't prep for that at all. What exactly broke you so much at the bees in a van idea? Was, for some reason, that I don't know. I I, I I can't explain it, but just the visualization <laughs> just fucking set me off. Like it, it was just a it was a gradual buildup of all the funny ass shit we were, we're talking, talking about. about. Like like bees as like as like threatening your family or yeah. coming to your house or thing. <laughs> that still is so fucking funny to me. And we just like just kept taking that to the next and level. We just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, that, that fucking killed me. Oh, uh, yeah, that was really funny. That was the but magic. Was all just because, that was all just because of the way Reese said that line. He just said that line like... like, like <laughs> he like, blackmailed it. Yeah, if I don't do it with creepy, <laughs> so she's going to kill me. 
It still makes me like, laugh. Wait, so is she funny. waiting in your house? What? What's, what's going on here? Oh man. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. the stuff. I mean, I can't prep for that. I prep for that at all. Like, it's just you guys oh, just yeah. having fucking. I mean, because who knows what, what people are going to connect with? You know, a yeah. children's book, I, or the or the way or the way someone says that they're in danger. Or is, come up with a, a person named Hammond. That's just have, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Because you forgot a name. <laughs> you forgot a name. <laughs> And I like that she just named the mop. And I, so, fun fact, the original, which was awful, the, my original name for the mop, I came up with all those mop rules myself. I borrowed from uh, the, Dragon Lair, the Dragon Slayer Sword, except I used it against oozes. I borrowed um, that one thing it can do is just the Word of Radiance cantrip, I believe, which is uh, radiant around it. Um, it's got the create or destroy water spell worded a little differently. Yeah. And then it's got the tiny servant spell basically, but obviously oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, that's a cool spell, but it's limited to the fact that you are literally using your cool weapon as that, like to summon that, you know, turn into a construct thing. So I literally just borrowed from all those abilities. Yeah. I, I forgot what I was talking about now. <laughs> the name of it. The name of it. The name Sorry. Of it. Somebody, Sorry. Somebody in the Thank chat, you. We're, we're getting the name of it. Something in the chat. I, I saw this in the chat earlier, but this, 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 this is hilarious. The FBI surveillance fan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I tell you, while we're playing, you, chat is just going fucking nuts. Oh, I, I... I don't even catch half of them, I but don't. Ca- yeah, rolling. I honestly, when I'm... When I, yeah, when I do crafting and Frostside and all the other stuff, I, I'm diligent about responding to chat, but when I'm running the actual There's session, no uh, yeah, I see maybe 10% of it, to be honest, because it's just so much going on. But I do appreciate all of you making such... Awesome jokes about <laughs> that's greatness. So the original anyway, name the of the mop was literally like the mop of self cleaning something. I, or it might have been just been mop of self cleaning. I think yeah. I had cleanliness in there somewhere, but it was just a dumb like generic name. So as soon as she named it something, I was like, okay, what was that name? Because that's fucking great. Yeah. We're gonna go <laughs> with that. <laughs> I completely forgot about the stupid like Harry Potter broom names. Like we should absolutely do one of those. Yeah, that is canonical. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Uh, I think that will do it for this week's Frostside Chat. I think so. Probably one of my... Uh, this might have actually been my favorite session so far, which I did not necessarily expect that to be the case. I mean, honestly, with I, I realized that with us... I mean, I don't, I don't mean as any any offense to you, all your DM and prep work, but it's just kind of like <laughs> random, like how everybody feels at the night. Yes. Like it's, it's, like, it's almost like mood. Like if everybody's yeah. in a There's a mojo, funny... you can't, yeah, you can't prep yeah. for that. You can't, as a DM, you're not bringing that. It's your players bringing that. Yeah, for sure. Right. And yeah, I that's, like, a lot of those favorite. in a pretty funny mood tonight. Ex- <laughs> yeah. It's also literally the first time in like five weeks. I think we've all five been together the whole time. Uh, that or is true. six, I guess. Um, so that you could feel that energy, you know, going and everything. So... Mm-hmm. You know that stuff makes a difference, and yeah, that's that's something the DM net can't necessarily prep for is all the right. funny shenanigans that are going to happen, and the, and the mood everybody's going to be in, and just how the session flows. So, yep, that is the magic. If you could figure out how to prep for that, then obviously you would be <laughs> the world's greatest DM. <laughs> yeah, if you could figure out how to like trigger that in your players, yeah. then let us know. All right, that will do it for this week's Frostside Chat. Thank you to Raymond and Chris. I am Eric. Thank you to all the wonderful fans. For watching, and we will see you next week.
I'm sure we'll have an equally awesome session. We really hyped this session. Up. I know, right? We're... Never again hit these dizzying highs. <laughs> it's Plateau City from here on the out. Bar has been set. <laughs>